the Rebbe takes this parsha and gives us a new perspective on how to view the story with Yaakov leaving Eretz Knan, Eretz Yisrael, and going to Choron. Choron, as Chazal tell us, is Charoin Avshalolam, the place which arouses frustration and anger in Hashem's eyes because it's a very evil place. So he's going from the great heights from Eretz Yisrael to the lowest of the lowest. Now this is symbolic of the whole goddess of the Jewish people. And the Rebbe notes something very important. The Rebbe says that from the three patriarchs, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yankiv, the bulk of the life of Avram and Yitzhak takes place in Eretz Yisrael. If we look in the parshas that describe the life of Avram, the life of Yitzhak, they take place mostly in Eretz Yisrael, in Eretz Canaan. Yaakov's life, on the other hand, is mostly occurs outside Eretz Yisrael. Last week's Pasha told us only describes the beginning of Yaakov's life and only mentions Yaakov briefly, you know, the story of the Brachas and the Bechayre, but the main description, the longest description, the most time and, and text that's spent in describing Yaakov's legacy is in this Pasha, Vayetzei, and next Pasha, Vayishlach. Now Vayishlach is already coming back but it meets Esav on the way. In other words, the bulk of the life of Yaakov, the way it's described in the Torah, is dealing with adversity, dealing with love on outside Eretz Yisrael, a place of evil, and dealing with Esav upon his return. And that's the bulk of his life. This describes and defines the true legacy of Yaakov Avidu. So, <clears throat> let's start with the beginning. Um, so we know what Chassidus says that is a description of the journey of the Neshama the Neshama before it comes down is in a state of Tahira, pureness of the highest absolute level of Atzilis and from this loftiness it is emerging and journeying down. It comes from Be'er Shava, Be'er Shel Shvua. It's different interpretations in Chassidus and Kabbalah. What Sphira exactly Be'er Shava is referring to? Is it Bina? Is it Malchus? But it's both related to um, to high, lofty spheres in Atzilus. And where is it journeying down? Chorono. <laughs> Until the lower worlds, and as we describe in the bracha in the morning, we're describing a progression of how the neshama keeps descending lower and lower, until you have literally breathed my neshama right into this physical body. which is called the place which raises frustration with Hashem. And as the Alter Rebbe described, that place of Moleklipes Vesitra Ache who conceal and obscure the godliness that's present in every single thing. It also obscures the godliness of the Neshama. 
the Kiddusha and the Ruchnis of the Neshama, that journey just down into the physical, it obscures that to a large extent. And then what do we read? We read Yaakov coming to a place where he goes to sleep. But first, what is the purpose of this Yerida? Why is an Hashem coming down from such a high, sublime, lofty place to come to this lowly, miserable, God-forsaken world of total concealment and darkness? But the purpose is, of course, the Ebershah has a purpose in that. He's not just trying to give the Neshama a hard time. He's trying to help the Neshama do something amazing. Because it is only through the darkness and the concealment that the Neshama, if it prevails, and it has the capacity to prevail over those halamas vesterim, those challenges, it is able to accomplish something amazing. In Yaakov's case, it's building a Jewish home, the foundation of the Jewish people, which he accomplished in Choron. And not just that he built a family, but as Chazal say, Mitos HaShlema is the only one of the patriarchs who all his children were Jewish and committed and devoted to the ideals of Avraham, Mitzvah, and Yankiv. So when a Jew is down here in the goof and experiences all these challenges that the Neshama never knew from, when he was in the heavens, and his mahapach, he transforms his gashmias, making it an accessory to Kedusha, until the kuf becomes one with the neshama. That is the purpose. <clears throat> the Rebbe says like this, when we continue to read the story of Yaakov Avinu, what do we, what do we read? What do we learn? Yaakov Ayivka Bamakim. He comes to a place and he goes to sleep because the sun set. So he takes bricks and stones and puts it over around his head. So the Rebbe says, this is again the Neshama coming down into the Guf. Guf Gashmi, Neil Mazai Gashmi, Oil from Helam Vehester. And right away he sees Kibo Hashem the sunset. There's no light, it's darkness. We know that Shemesh Imogen Avayelakim, David Melach refers to the sun as a metaphor for Hashem. But when it's Boa Shemesh, the sun said, that means Hashem's presence is concealed. What is the result of that? Is Vayishka Vamakamahu. He ends up lying down. What happens when a person lies down physically? The head, which is supposed to be usually, which is usually above the rest of the body, is now on an equal level with the rest of the body, including even the feet. So when a person stands or sits, it's very noticeable that the head is on top, and the head is running the show. But when a person lies down, you can't tell the difference between the head and the toes, they're both on the same level. What does that represent? The head of the person is the ruchnis of the person, that's the higher part of the person. And the, the body is the goof of the person. In times of gullus, sometimes things are so challenging and so difficult that you can't tell the difference between the ruchnis and the gashmis of the person. The ruchnis of the person is so dormant, so, so, so little activity, that it, it is almost equal to the body. It does not exercise any great control over the body. It doesn't have that superiority because its light is so concealed and so dimmed 
that it doesn't that is not capable of taking charge. And then, not only that, what does Yaakov Avinu do? He's afraid of nasty wild animals. That's the metaphor for evil. Yetzahara. Klippe Vesitraacha. Yaakov Avinu realizes he's in Golis and he's vulnerable. He needs to protect himself. So he takes me Avne Hamokim. He takes his stones to protect himself. But a Jew has to know that despite the fact that he was sent into such a challenging situation, the Jew can actually utilize that situation in a, in a good way. Because lying down, although it represents something very negative, that there is no superiority to the head over the rest of the body, that means the neshama, which is the head of the person, does not openly experience this superior quality that it has over the rest of the person. <clears throat> Nevertheless, lying down also represents something deeper. There is the lying down concept in a deep spiritual way. And the Rebbe explains, what does that mean? And the Rebbe explains like this, the superiority of the brain, of the seichel, over the rest of the body, is definitely an important thing. The superiority of the neshama over the goof is an extremely important thing. And a Jew has to fight with every fiber of his being to ensure that the neshama does call the shots. And chas v'shalom, the neshama is not equal to the body. It is the one that gives direction and guides and, and mentors the body. But at the same time, the Jew has to know that after he manages to overcome the challenges of Gullahs and the challenges that Gullahs imposes on the person to be in a state of lying down where the superior potential of the Neshama is not visible. And the Jew is working against that to reveal the qualities of the Neshama and the superior strength the Neshama has. But then a Jew knows that lying down also has a positive meaning. Because once a Jew learns Torah, and he exercises the Neshama's powers over the body, there is something even greater. Something greater than his mind, greater than his Neshama, that is Atzma Sein Sof. From Hashem's essence perspective, from the perspective of Hashem's essence, the Guf and Neshama are both part of Hashem's essence. And the Jews bittle should grow to the point where not only is the bittle commensurate to the level of his neshama's understanding of Alakus, but should be completely bottled to Hashem's essence that is equally the one who sustains the neshama and sustains the body. And that's where the body and soul again become equal. That's lying down Baruchnis. Lying down Baruchnis is a total bittle. In the Ruchnistic sense, it represents the absolute bittle where a Jew is completely surrendering to Hashem that even his seichel no longer calls the shots because it's the emunah that comes from the etzema neshama that transcends even the most lofty seichel. And that's called also vayishkav. So when a Jew finds himself in Golas, it's because in Golas the Ebesher is telling him, yes, it's a time of shechiva, of lying down, which is not a good thing. And you need to go against it. You need to fight against it and overpower, prevail over this. 
But you also have to remember that the shchiva of Golas, the negative shchiva, reflects and is an indication that there is a higher level of bittel that the Jew can reach, dafke in Golas, which is also called shchiva, lying down, which is where he is not only bottled to Hashem based on how much he understands, but he is able to transcend the limitations of Seichon. This will explain why Yaakov Avinu went to lie down in the Mokam HaMikdash. It says, Now, you can understand that Yaakov Avinu at this point didn't know that it was Beis HaMikdash. But Rashi says that for 14 years he didn't go to sleep. And Rashi adds that the 20 years he was by Lovan, he also didn't go to sleep. It says he said to Hillim at night, Dafkin now, when he went, when he stopped the Bokra Mikdash, he ended, decided to go to sleep? Does it make sense? The answer is that no, it's, he, whether he knew he was Bokra Mikdash or not, the place induced and inspired a bitl in Yaakov Avinu that was on a very high level, on a level where the head and the toes were on the same level. A total, complete surrender to Alakus, to Atmos himself. <clears throat> this will also explain the Rashi. Rashi tells us that um, that why did he take the Avne HaMokim? Because he was afraid of, 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 of nasty animals. The question is how is putting a few stones around his head going to protect him from nasty animals. It doesn't make sense. Um, animals can touch the rest of his body. I mean, the, the head is not enough. So some commentaries say that he put actually stones around the whole body. Just, but then the question is, the Pasuk says, he put the stones by his head. Says the Rebbe, that the Pshat is like this. Avonim stones are hard things. Yaakov Avinu, when he descended into Golas, in Boa Shemesh, the sunset, darkness, he decided that the only way to survive is a place of dangerous animals, spiritual animals. The only way to protect yourself is to be hard and stiff and committed unconditionally. It's that toikif, that strength of unconditional commitment that he used to protect himself against the wild animals. Why the head? It's because it says the neshama reveals itself first in the head, and then from the head it spreads to the entire body. So he wanted to protect the head which is the place where the Neshama first reveals itself, and from there, Memela, automatically, the rest of the body will be safe. But we're talking about it in a spiritual sense. <coughs> now Rashi says that the stones were arguing. They wanted to all be under Yaakov's head. So the Rebbe explains is that the stones that were around the rest of the body said it's not fair that we are on the bottom part of his body and the headstones, they're, they're sitting by his, by his head. 
because this headstone was arguing that the neshama comes first into the head. And from the head, it goes into the rest of the body. But the other stone said, well, mitzad atzmas, it's all the same. We're all equal. So the Eivishter, whether they should make made a nest, and they all became one stone. The idea is that there was this achdus, this oneness, that became uh, evident and permeated the stones. The, the achdus that comes from Asmus himself, himself, that unites everything, the head and the toes, the neshama and the goof. And the Rebbe says, that's the inyan, the ultimate purpose of Geula, is that through Golas, we will reveal something that even in the Beis Hamikdash I didn't have, which is the gilu of Atzmus and Sof that equalizes Ruchnis and Gashmis. Atzmus will shine everywhere, because Atzmus is the essence of everything. And the Rebbe says, this is also the struggle he had with Esav. As we know, Esav is the last Biru. The Yaakov Avinu had to be Mavar Esav, and then Mashiach could come. Fortunately, Esav wasn't ready. But the Rebbe said nowadays, the Rebbe has spoken many times in Tavshinun Beis, when the Sikha was said, that we are at the foot, at the, at basically the threshold of Geula. And the Rebbe said, there's some money for that, and we don't have to look far. And he says, for sure now, we have to strengthen ourselves to take Me'avni Amokim and to strengthen our commitment to Torah Mitzvahs and not to be spoiled, not to be impressed with the darkness and the challenges of Elam Hazagashmi Vachumri and get ready, open up our eyes, as the Rebbe said, and see that the Geula is right here at the threshold.